0: everybody and welcome to the podcast we are back and uh it's been a week since you heard from us it's been a long time since we've recorded Yep, but you don't need to know that
1: yep to you Um, it's just been a week
0: (laughs) uh today we are finishing up our second series on this podcast but this is because we've been doing the mcu but that series we're not even close to being finished with so this is the this is the first series that we've actually started and finished um and that is mad max and we're going to the final movie which is mad max fury road now should i just jump in
1: uh do you would you like to go first on production and things
0: yeah i'll go first Uh, there's there's a lot here but jump in as you see fit okay Um, we're just jumping right in to this crazy movie um this comes out May 15th, 2015, so it's almost four year- By the time this comes out, it'll be four years old. Wow, that's like tomorrow, May f- or two days from now. It's kind of weird when yeah, we were watching weird. the movie. I thought the movie was like five or six years old, maybe even seven. But it's I- not that old. Yeah, I remember watching it in high school, but I didn't. We did not watch it in high school. Yeah, it wasn't out yet. But that's how I associate it with like my senior year for some reason. So that was a little confusing. No, that's um, Dark Knight
1: Rises yeah that's a tom hardy that yeah which is yeah um so how long has it been since the since thunderdome
0: uh i would have to see thunderdome came out in the 90s um uh but yeah dark Knight. so i i kind of thought that this movie was around the same time as um dark Knight for some reason like i i thought i thought that his these roles were closer together than they were
1: it's crazy to think that Dark Knight Rises is so old now.
0: Oh, so 1985 was Thunderdome. So this comes out 30, 2000. 30 years later? Yeah.
1: 95,
0: 2005, 15? Yeah. Whoa. That's crazy. Yeah. Um. So this is directed by George Miller, as all the movies are. Uh, Thunderdome, of course, directed by two people. Can't remember the other guy's name off the top of my Sorry, head. Sorry,
1: other guy. But it's really George Miller's thing. <laughs>
0: Um, and it's produced by Doug Mitchell, George Miller, and P.J. Voatin. It is written by George Miller and Brendan McCarthy, who is a comic book artist. Oh, that's cool. Which makes a lot of sense yeah. when you watch this movie.
1: And I don't know if you saw, but you you might even be about to say it, but this movie was storyboarded before there was even a script. And there were like 3,500 panels of pictures of pictures.
0: Which would make sense why you would hire a comic book yes. artist to help write it. That
1: just makes more sense to me. Because I didn't know that about the comic book artist thing. Uh-huh. But that makes sense. And they had like seven artists.
0: That's crazy. So they had the doing whole, the production so had the,
1: notes this time?
0: <laughs> so they had the whole movie storyboated before they even story-boated, shot Storyboated, yeah. Storyboated. Um, yeah. No boats in this movie. No. Um, and then the other, the third writer was um, Nico Letharis. And this guy is pretty cool because you will remember in Mad Max 1, there is a mechanic that Mad yep. Max goes to. It's that guy? And it's that guy. Oh. And I'll explain a little more for the listener in case you forgot. But he goes to um, this mechanic with his family, and then that's when his family...
1: Well, the wife goes first.
0: Yeah, and it's that's when his wife and child first encounter a um, toe cutter. Yes. the The main bad guy in Mad Max 1. So... That that writer or that guy helped write this movie. Pretty. That's cool. That's pretty cool. And then we have music by Junkie XL.
1: So you're getting into that, not me.
0: Well, you jump in. You jump in.
1: I don't oh, have I'm much going. on him actually. I I was looking through his career as a composer, like mm-hmm. composing credits. Most of them are um, just like writing credits. Not not necessarily the composer. Yeah, Cause he
0: has um, an artist like a. Uh, he's a he's a DJ. Is that right?
1: Yeah, I mean, like he. Well, I don't know about that. I didn't look that far into it. But um, he, the only other like he's he's composed some movies, but the only ones that I know that he's composed is uh, this Mad Max and Alita Battle Angel.
0: Oh, I have no. Oh, <clears throat> I have more here because he did the. Well, then,
1: well, a lot of the. I was just gonna say one more thing. I don't know what the song is. Maybe you do, and I can't even. And I didn't look it up. I know that's a bad job on my part. <laughs> but he's credited in several movies for the song "A Little Less Conversation."
0: Well, that there's an Elvis song, "Little Less Conversation, a Little More Action." Yeah, but please. he's just
1: credited with that song, and like,
0: I wonder if he did that the remix of that song that's really famous.
1: Yeah, I I'm gonna say yeah.
0: Yeah, we'll confirm that you heard it here first. Yeah. Yeah, so he also did the soundtrack for Black Mass. Um, he did Batman vs. Superman with Hans Zimmer. He did Deadpool, and he did The Dark Tower. And I have written here, he's a Dutch DJ. What was the first one? Black Mass.
1: How come I don't see that when I'm looking at it?
0: Uh, I I mean, that's what I found. I don't know. Let me Let me see. We're going to confirm live on the air years before... I mean months before we talked about it. So composer. Let's see.
1: Who don't Gar- look up Garcour. him look up Black Mass.
0: Yeah. He oh it's it's so he has another name he goes by, which is Tom Holkenborg. Oh so that's, that's why
1: he goes by Junkie XL probably.
0: Yeah.
1: It's kind of an unfortunate <laughs> last name. But yeah, the so- soundtrack of this movie was so good that when I found out he was a composer for Elite Battle Angel, I was like Okay. Yeah, maybe I need to maybe see that I need movie to watch this Because the, the soundtrack was so good.
0: This yeah, this I was shocked that this wasn't nominated for uh best score. But then when you see who won, which is um Ernio Morricone. I don't remember how to pronounce the name exactly, the guy who scored um the Hateful Eight and came out of retirement to score the Hateful Eight. Yeah. And that movie has an incredible score. Yeah. So I'm I'm okay with that. I'm surprised he didn't get a nomination, at least. Because this score is unbelievable.
1: Yes, it's so. Good. It just. It really. It. It does exactly what it needs to do, and it. It. It signals emotions. Yeah. Throughout the movie, it shows foreshadowing, or it calls back to an earlier part of the movie. He. He do, He just. He did his job.
0: Well, let, let's let's just talk about the score, then go back to um, composer note, or I mean, back to notes, because I, I want to get into. To me, he does like three very distinct things in this mm-hmm. movie that really make it interesting. So one, he has like the Mad Max or like the, I wouldn't even say it's his theme, but it's like the theme of um, chaos, which those is drums. just those, um, no, it's the, uh, it's that low cello going, da oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, when, wherever you're at in the movie, when that happens, it just rips you into that moment so hard. And then he's got, um, the guitar player and drummer. Yes. Yes. So, I mean, in this movie, there is a guitar player who shoots flames out of his guitar that plays, and he is like
1: he is strapped to one of the cars. He is pretty. He was. He is strapped by. Um, suspension cords Mm -hmm. and this isn't like (laughs) this isn't an effect this happened this this guy was strapped by suspension cords in front of a wall of speakers that was on top of a car and the car was driving throughout the movie at top speed with all the other cars as this guitar player is playing the guitar and it to release flames from the top of the guitar he would use the whammy bar the guitar weighed 135 pounds and he the the musician is this australian musician named iota Uh who's like a singer songwriter he kind of looked i don't i don't i don't think it's like as dark but he looks like a marilyn manson type like with what he looks like like his his get up kind of stuff i i'm assuming that's not his kind of music though that being said i didn't listen to it he kind of looks like Like taiki why yeah kind of um, anyway, that's not important. The important part is he's carrying a hundred and thirty five pound guitar strapped to a car well, he's strapped to a car mm-hmm. playing guitar, yeah throughout the movie
0: yeah um that's so cool and 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 a hundred so a hundred and thirty five pounds that's crazy um the what I love about the movie using that that um instrumentation is is like the the, the movies have always been kind of this like there's this punk um, yeah. like energy to them and using a guitar is like the ultimate sign of that but it also is this cool harbinger throughout the movie where when when they're far away or it's doing like a landscape shot you hear the guitar go in and out of what's happening so that It it becomes this impending doom that's chasing Furiosa and and Mad Max. it
1: makes that part of the soundtrack a character in the story. Yeah.
0: And that's a really cool use of it. But
1: then, like, the part when Charlize Theron, like, collapses on the sand because she realizes, like, her people are basically gone. Uh Uh-huh. Which is, like, the reason why they all left. Yeah. That part of the score was, like, so emotional.
0: Really? Yeah. I got, like, goosebumps. Ghost, really bumps. A, ghost
1: bumps. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I got really, I, I got goosebumps watching that. Yeah. And then there's that other scene in the movie. So it's like you have this intense cello, like signifying the chaos and the madness of all of it. And then you have this guitar that's like, and these wild drums that are like, the bad guys are coming, the bad guys are coming. And then you have this moment. And the first time I really noticed it is when they first go into that storm the the score changes into this kind of beautifully composed kind of this beautifully composed like nice to listen to music while chaos is going on so you're kind of seeing like the beauty and all the chaos and yeah. um same same with um the charlie sterren moment it's like there's there's like humanity in all the chaos yeah. it's which it's that kind of so reminds cool.
1: me did did you look into cinematographer stuff yes Oh okay then go ahead
0: yeah, that's actually my next note. What a what a uh transition. Yeah. Segway, segue. Both. Um well yeah. So this is um cinematographer John Seal, and he came out of retirement to shoot this movie. So this Thank is, you,
1: Mr. Seal.
0: Yeah, this is uh Prince of Persia, Spanglish, Dreamcatcher. What? The English patient. What? And Dreamcatcher? Yeah. And your favorite, not your favorite, but one of your favorites, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. He shot that movie. So he what he, a career. He kind, of, he kind of has like a imaginative almost. Like all the, all these movies have like a fantastical yeah, Spanglish element. Super to them. imaginative. I mean, I haven't seen that movie. I'm just but kidding. We need even English patient has like a, uh, a a fantastical element to it. Oh really? No, I mean it's like supposed to be a realistic story, but it, it's a this very romantic story. So it has the You know, the fantasy of romance, I guess. So he has an interesting style there. Um, Production companies, we are back at Warner Brothers. Not back. I think that's the first time. Uh, And they distributed the movie along with Village Roadshow Pictures. Um, And then we got Kennedy Miller Mitchell and then Rat Pack Dune Entertainment. Those are the producers. Um, Box office. So the production budget of this movie, $150 million. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, domestic, we got 100. It makes 154 million fifty-eight thousand three hundred forty dollars, and worldwide it makes three hundred seventy-eight million eight hundred fifty-eight thousand three hundred forty. So it's it's a hit. It's not like a massive hit though. Yeah. Um. So then, uh, going on to the themes, um, a lot. The theme of the movie is survival, keeping humanity in a feral world. And then, of course, there's a huge element of feminism in this movie, mm-hmm. which I think we'll get into more as we discuss the plot points. Yeah, um, interesting to be 30 years away from the Mad Max movie, and he comes back. George Miller makes a Mad Max movie that's really about this character we've never met, Furiosa, and Mad Max is kind of sidelined the whole movie. But in he's also sidelined in such a way that if you love Mad Max, you're not disappointed. No. Like, it actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, it just seems like, it, it. it's one of those classic examples of, like, it sounds like George Miller had an idea, and that's what the story told him to do. Yeah. And he, and he went where the story took him, instead of forcing Mad Max to carry the burden of the movie.
1: Yeah. And uh, to kind of compare the, going back to the cinematographer thing a little bit, like, also, just comparing world building to the other movies and just how this has further progressed uh-huh. the world building. But I read that uh, one of the the things that George Miller asked of the cinematographer was to make it as colorful as possible. Okay. Um, because he he wanted it to look different than most post apocalyptic films, which are usually very like desaturated, drabby, dark leak yeah he wanted the opposite of that because he like so to show that people are trying to make the most of it and trying to find beauty in all of the trash that's which left is
0: exactly the theme the, yeah the finding humanity in a feral world yeah, yeah. and
1: i think that's a very optimistic view of it which yeah. is, is just so it's just so interesting and i i think you could argue that for like all of the movies
0: yeah although it is kind of interesting because it seems like it almost seems like the first two are kind of more like don't have that optimism to him. And then yeah. the last two do.
1: I think but you see that in the costumes. Yeah. At, at least for the second one. Because I have some Ye- dumb costumes. Yeah. But well, it's like I, I
0: mean the theme, like the the bleakness. It seems like the first oh. two are much more like ending on like And then he made it through and he lives on. I guess there's a well, little yeah, but I guess there is hope in all of it. Well
1: them. but yeah but what I yeah, but like of course there's still like a little bit of a downer yeah. because um, they're violent Because movies, they're yeah. violent movies and it's a post-apocalyptic world and they have to kill each other. Like, that's yeah. just always going to be a downer. Right. But it is still pretty positive, I would say. Mm-hmm. Even though a lot of people have died by the end of the movie. Yeah. Um, Fight you on that. <laughs> no, no, you're right. Um, you're right. And so then I'll go into a little bit of actor stuff. Okay. So you have Tom Hardy, who plays um, Mad Max. Well,
0: actually, can I... be? <sighs> Because this plays into this a little bit. I have to hit a couple notes. Of Tom Hardy? No, no. Uh, I'll, it'll make sense in a second. So, because the movie was in production for so long. Yeah. So, Miller got the idea oh, for yeah, this movie. Oh, yeah, since like movie. the early 2000s. Well, yeah, he got the original idea for the movie in 1998. Uh-huh. And the movie was in development hell for a very long time. And so, there's this Variety article that was in 2002... Oh, um, talking about how Miller got the rights to Mad Max franchise back from Warner Brothers as part of a settlement with the studio in 1997 Warner's, which released both the road warrior in 81 and beyond Thunderdome in 85, gave him the rights after Miller, who directed and co-written all three movies agreed to detach himself from Warner Brothers. I don't really know what that looks like or what that oh, means. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, Jodie Foster star contact. Uh, Agree to detach himself from Warner Brothers, Jodie Foster star, star of Contact, and allow Robert Zemeckis to helm. I think I missed that something. makes
1: no sense. What you wrote, it doesn't. Was so she the, was she supposed to be in the next one? Is that what you're saying? I think so. Okay. Uh,
0: I took these notes a while ago. I know, so that, <laughs> but I think it looks like um Robert Zemeckis was supposed to make who's, the movie. That's uh Forrest Gump. Okay. Um, he made something recently. I think he made Welcome to Marsden. Or whatever. A really weird fit. It would have been hmm. awful. Um, and all the thing was, Mel Gibson, going to be back. He was going to be in the movie. Um, and it was set to shoot in 2001. And then September 11th happened. The American dollar collapsed against the Australian dollar. Oh. And that's from the New York Post. I had to say. Well, then nice,
1: I, I read in the trivia further, like, in a little bit after that, Mel Gibson got involved in Passion of the Christ. Oh, okay. which I uh, I assume that took consumed years of his life, so like okay. very unavailable for a while. Once that happened too.
0: Okay, um, but yeah, I'm citing like that. Was, that was from the New York Post. I'm citing these because I just lifted a lot of the stuff directly from um things from websites because it's hard to paraphrase it in a different way. Um, and then so it was gonna star Mel Gibson, who uh at the time was 59. But then he was busted for drunk driving, called a police officer, quote, sugar tits, was <laughs> was embroiled in an ugly battle with his girlfriend, made anti-Semitic comments. Wait, why
1: do we need to get into this?
0: Well, because uh, there's a quote about it. OK, uh, um, I think it's interesting um, and was secretly recorded ranting insanely at a screenwriter. Um, and then this is a quote from George Miller. Uh, By the time we got there, not only had Mel hit all the turbulence in his life. But this is not a Mad Max in which he's an old warrior, the director says. He meant to He's meant to be that same contemporary warrior. I guess in the same way that James Bond has been played by various people, it was time to hand over the mantle. Hmm. So all of that to say, it sounded like he was interested in doing it with Mel Gibson, and then ma- with the passion all of this Christ, stuff happened. All of this other crazy stuff, it's like he goes, I'm imagining maybe he had the idea to get a new actor and then it's confirmed. And he's like, we need a new actor.
1: Yeah. I also read that uh, Mel gave Tom Hardy his blessing. And whenever I read that stuff though, I'm like, did that, I mean, did they really go to lunch and talk about it? I don't know. Yeah. But it's like, okay. It's kind of I like think a, Tom Hardy would have gotten it either way. Cause it's <laughs> yeah, not his character, yeah. but
0: <laughs> it's kind of like, I remember Alden Ehrenreich talked about how he had lunch with Harrison Ford to play Han Solo. Right.
1: And, and it's like, okay.
0: I'm so I'm, i i think i think han solo i think harrison ford told him something like don't let him sign you to too many contracts or something like that you know because he's he's harrison that's ford, like his advice star wars yeah. <laughs> he's like not gonna help him with the character i'm sure
1: well i heard that he actually did do some
0: oh did he on okay. the movie
1: but um
0: it's just one of those things but yeah you're, it's you're like, like okay
1: did they go to lunch were they forced to go to lunch were they paid to go to lunch like yeah what is what is lunch what is lunch? <laughs> okay, I'm gonna get into Tom Hardy. You yes, can't yes, stop yes. me.
0: I you don't. I don't want to stop you. So,
1: he. I don't know. He's been really working since like 2000 on, and yeah. has not been stopping. He's got such a great career. Um, so I I just kind of picked uh, highlights. Okay. And as I name movies and years, just know that there are several movies within these years, or several yeah, several movies within these years that I'm also just not mentioning because yeah. he's just in so much. A lot of it's like. Stuff to just build his career, and that we'll never remember that he's in this movie, and we've never seen it. Okay, a lot of like British TV stuff, that, mm. that kind of thing. But he's in Star Trek Nemesis in 2002,
0: almost quits acting afterward. Why? Because it was did so poorly, and he got everybody hated the movie. Oh,
1: um, and then he's in this movie in 2004 with Daniel Craig called Layer Cake that actually sounded kind of interesting. Have you movie. seen yeah. it? Yeah, okay, it' pretty it's not, interesting. It's not plot. amazing,
0: but it's pretty good.
1: Yeah. Uh, for the listeners, in case you're interested in watching it, because Daniel Craig is awesome. Yeah. He is a, c- a cocaine dealer, very successful, and as, as right before he's going to retire, his boss gives him an insane job to do. Sounds great. Yeah. I want to watch it. And then he's in Marie Antoinette in 2006. I don't remember who the character is. I've never seen the movie. I just know, like, so many people are in that movie. Yeah, okay. That's um, the
0: um, that's, Kirsten Dunst movie?
1: Yeah. So, I okay. assume... Never seen it. I just feel like that movie. There's, it's one of those. Anyway, so many people are in that movie. It's like I sh- I'm sure that a lot of actors were able to use this as a resume builder. Because mm-hmm. I, from what I've seen of the movie, it's it's very stylized and like kind of funny. Okay. Um, and then 2008 is Bronson, which is his, you know, probably a breakout for sure. Um,
0: yeah, that's a great movie. One if of you're, his if best you're up movies. For a really dark biopic. That's the one to watch.
1: Yeah like really dark and it's a uh, what's that guy's name N- Nicholas Wending Winding Reffin sorry I keep burping people <laughs> and then after Bronson a couple years later you have Inception in 2010 which just furthers his career because it's like oh he's working with Anifa another really great prolific director
0: that that movie kind of puts him on the public's map
1: yeah I you know at that point in my Tom Hardy uh, history I like really liked him in that movie, but of course, I was more interested in Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Leo Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. But upon realizing, like, when once I realized who Tom Hardy was, I could go back, and I'm like, yeah. oh my gosh, this guy is so good. Dude, like they've
0: kind of had, like, a split since that movie, where, like, Joseph yeah. Gordon-Levitt kept doing worse and worse movies, and he kept doing better and better movies. Yeah.
1: Pretty interesting. Yeah. And then in 2011 is Warrior, which I remember being a pretty good That's movie good about- movie. Boxing, martial arts, MMA, or I think. MMA, and then Dark Knight Rises is 2012,
0: and that's now he's like arrived. Yeah, everybody knows Tom Hardy. Everybody's talking about yes. Tom Hardy. Yes,
1: and then like, oh, I was gonna look up, but then Dark, oh yeah, Dark Knight Rises 2012, and then I didn't really like write anything after that because it's like, then he did Mad Max, and that's just furthered like exploded his career. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to also just like read to you what. Oh, yeah. I didn't write it down because there were so many big movies he was in. So, Dark Knight Rises 2012. Also in 2012, Lawless and This Means War. Oh, yeah. And then 2014, oh, no, 2013, he does Locke, which you guys, everyone needs to see Locke.
0: It's a great movie. It's just
1: a movie of him driving a car and it's only him driving a car for like an hour and a half. And I know that sounds boring, but it is one of the most intense movies. Yeah. And it's not an action he's, movie. He's
0: dealing with some like um family... stuff and so he's on the phone with all these different yeah
1: and then 2014 the drop which is such a good movie yeah another great acting movie like on yeah he's just so good and then it's mad max like
0: yeah so he's just had like a steady climb yeah
1: and then you know following right after that's legend revenant child 44 that's a boring one but then like dunkirk and then a really boring tv show taboo unfortunately
0: well we only watched one or two episodes i watched a couple oh you did okay um
1: and then the movie the the show looks very good, yeah, all that I'll say that, yeah, the story wasn't even that boring, but it was you know what I mean, yeah, yeah, and then
0: <laughs> I mean, I didn't finish it, but
1: and then you have Charlize Theron, who has been around since like nineteen ninety five yeah Mighty and Joe Young, shes the same, pretty much as Tom Hardy. It's like I'm going to read highlights, but between all these highlights, there's so many movies that yeah. she's in, but like she's in that thing you do, which I didn't know that,
0: the Tom Hanks movie, yeah. Oh, wow.
1: And then she's in The Devil's Advocate, which is a Keanu Reeves Al Pacino movie. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And then she is the astronaut's wife. What is that? Oh, have you not heard of that movie? No. It's with Johnny Depp. Oh, okay. But she's the The astronaut's astronaut's wife. The astronaut's got a wife. Yeah, and it's her. And then... uh, Monster comes out in 2003, which wins her the Oscar.
0: Yeah, that that's like now she's arrived. Yes, that and point.
1: that's kind of like, oh, she went ugly for the role. Yeah. That's Monster. Same year Italian job.
0: Yeah, that's what puts her on the map in my head because I yeah, see Italian me job too. and I'm like, she's cool.
1: And then she's in Hancock, which I don't remember.
0: Yeah, she's Jason Bateman's wife, I think.
1: Okay. I forgot Jason Bateman was in that movie. Yeah. And then she's in The Road, which I also just don't remember.
0: Oh, yeah, she's... Viggo Mortensen's wife.
1: Oh, is that her? Yeah,
0: just in the okay. flashbacks. Though. Yeah, she's only in like ten minutes of the movie.
1: Talk about being depressed for two hours.
0: And post-apocalypse.
1: Uh, read the book. You'll be depressed for a couple of weeks. And then she's in Young Adult, which is one of Micah's favorite movies. Ugh, and then don't like that movie. In 2012, she's in Prometheus and Snow White and the Huntsman. Okay. And then it's like Mad Max. Yeah. Um. And then oh, and she I really like her in Prometheus. Good a great in Mad channel. Max. Yes. So then you have Nicholas Holt. This is my last one. Okay. I didn't I didn't go into all of the, the wives, like all of those girls, because mm-hmm. most of them I looked into, like, the one of them's in, like, Big Little Lies. Most of the other ones are models. Okay. Like, Victoria's Secret models. Okay. Or Australian models. So I didn't really go f- too far into, like, their stuff. Australian Victoria's
0: Secret models.
1: Uh, <laughs> then, so then you have Nicholas Holt, who ha- did some child acting things. He's, like, only 30. Uh-huh. Um, but, and if Sydney Willie... Ever listens to this podcast? I hope she chuckles when I say his breakout thing is Skins, which is true. But I just always remember, like, oh, Nicholas Holt is so good, and she's like, oh, you know, he's in Skins. She just always had to remind me. It's like a pretty graphic, oh yeah, teenage <laughs> British. I think it's a British show, and then there was an American show. Okay, it's so like that's his breakout. Okay. Is this like pretty graphic sexual teenage TV show? And I'm like, oh, okay, and then. He's in Clash of the Titans, which I don't remember.
0: Never saw that, but movie. I just don't remember
1: the movie. And then X Men. He he begins his X Men journey in 2011.
0: He's the Beast, right? Yes. Oh my gosh. And then in that's 2000- going to be such a pain when we have to watch those movies.
1: Yeah, put that off as long as we can. But then in 2013, he's in Warm Bodies, a movie that is warm to my heart.
0: Yeah, well, but that's it's just the kind point. of
1: okay. But it's 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 good. I like it.
0: Yeah. Well and and you should you should jump on who who is uh who else is in the movie? There's someone else.
1: Yeah, so we said on episode 1
0: Have I been popping this whole time? No. Have I I forgot to put the pop filter on. Keep talking. I'm going to grab the pop filter.
1: So in our first so in Mad Max 1 when we started that, we said there were big things that we were going to reveal in this one be upon a realization we made as we were doing some research for this series. So you have Toe Cutter who was the main bad guy in Mad Max? And then who to be the best or not the best? The the, the main bad guy, a Morton Joe as Hugh Keys Burn. I think that's Is that the actor name? Yeah. Who was toe cutter. So same actor playing the main bad guy. And let me tell you, he does a wonderful job.
0: Yeah, I think that's so cool how it's the the this the main bad guy from Mad Max One, who's one of the highlights of that movie mm-hmm. is the main bad guy in this movie and he is so good. He is so gross in this movie. Yeah. The so, character design of him is unbelievable. Well I'll kind
1: of get into that because like the the character design for mo- like just about everyone's so interesting and one of the most interesting character designs about that a lot of the characters have in common is people are just like riddled with hu- with tumors. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning of the movie, when it starts, there's like voiceovers, radios, like radio clips, and then yeah. Tom Hardy's talking a little bit, and you kind of infer that there was like a nuclear war. Yeah, they
0: they mentioned there's an oil war, and then there was a water war.
1: Yeah. So then there's like, uh, insinuated like a nuclear thing as well, so there's just radioac- uh, radioactivity. Yeah. Like leftovers
0: which member in thunder dome he d- uses the geiger counter to check the water
1: that's right and so it's, it's radioactive. like i'd
0: imagine that it happened before probably even before road warrior
1: yeah so if this is you know in the air or just in everything for a while people will be born with many birth defects so that's how you get the war boys who are the white pasty mm-hmm. like there's hundreds of them in this movie and most of you're just kind of like, did they paint themselves white? Why are they white? And they're See, also I always
0: assume they painted.
1: Yeah. Well, I didn't think. So. Well, yeah. So like, they. Um, what was I saying though? Oh yeah, they're also considered having a half life, and that's because they only live like half of a life, because most of them like they're born with birth defects caused by this all the nuclear uh-huh. stuff, and a lot of them have tumors. Nicholas Holt is one of these characters. He's a war boy. Yeah. And. They have to have blood transfusions, and I I always thought that was just so interesting visually. Yeah, that the, they're so like Tom Hardy gets captured, and he is like a, they call him a blood bag. So he's Nicholas yeah. Holt's blood bag. <laughs> it's so cool. All of this yeah. is so cool. And then like when they capture him, they they're tattooing stuff on his back, and it's kind of quick, and you can't really read it, but it's it's all of his like his blood type. Uh, What it's just like a stats of him, yeah, biologically. Uh,
0: universal donor,
1: universal and donor. universal
0: blood type, which is important to know because when he transfuses with Charlie's at the end, that's why he doesn't even question anything because he, he knows. knows he can do it because he's a universal donor,
1: right? So, pretty cool. He's Nicholas Holt's blood bag, and you're thinking, like, this is just so interesting. I don't, I haven't, like, the first time I saw it, I didn't really question why, yeah, but you know, upon rewatches, I'm like, okay, so why are these like are they blood bags for other human beings so then looked it up and
0: and it says he's high octane right high octane you what was that
1: i don't remember well oh yeah so like the what what i had researched and read was like so these people or these war boys who have like um you know they they, what am i trying to say they're they're born with all these birth defects because of nuclear radioactivity. Mm -hmm. So you would assume like that most of them have cancer. And a lot of the times blood transfusions are performed because of leukemia. Okay. So it's kind of like, you could probably assume that especially with all the tumors on them, like they, at least most of them have leukemia. And then there's like little boys too. And you're just going to like, you're probably assuming like they already have cancer or they will have cancer. Yeah. And they, they have a blood deficiency.
0: Which is why they're so white.
1: Right. So then... Also, another theory, or I think not another theory, but along with that is like introducing blood into them gives them energy, so that's why it's like he's tattooed on his back high octane energy, uh-huh. which would mean like oh, that means Nicholas Holt's gonna have high octane energy because that's, so, he has cool. his that's blood. so
0: interesting, yeah well and and as we're talking about this series, i mean the the one thing that we've hit really hard is the world building element of the series, yeah, and this movie. It uh, like perfectly hits that note where I I really think you could watch this movie so first of all you could watch this movie and not watch any of the other ones and you'd be fine Mm -hmm. Um, but you could watch this movie and you could not care about like how the world works that much and you'd be fine but if you want to you can like dig into a lot like you can, you can go to the bar after the movie with your friends and talk about like what you think happened before the movie, what you think right. happened afterward. How come this character was there? And Which the thing like, I kept saying, like every time a character showed up on screen, I was like, "This world is so fleshed out. They're not bogging us down by just like explaining everything. Mm-hmm. They, there's almost no explanation." Well, it's because in it's this a movie.
1: post-apocalyptic, so there's just like no rules anymore.
0: Yeah, so you don't and, need to
1: remember anything.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But all this stuff like these blood bags and stuff, there's just enough dialogue that you get it, but you don't have to like spend your time like, oh yeah, so the blood bag does this. Oh yeah. So later in the movie, the, which isn't necessarily bad, but for this franchise, it would bog it down. Oh yeah. But all these characters are so fleshed out and so interesting that like, if, if, if I'm not saying I would want this, but if he was like, we're making an Morton Joe movie, I'd be like, cool. We're making his, like, that little guy sidekick who's has all those little um, war boys that are with oh, him. It's yeah. like, he's, I'm making a spinoff movie with him. I'd be like, awesome. Well, you know, like, it's, like, it's like, like they're all interesting characters. The,
1: to go to the Tina Turner character in Thunderdome, I mean, she kind of explains it only in a couple lines. Her, mm-hmm. her and most other people, it's like, because of this post-apocalyptic world, I am now given the chance to yeah. have to do something. And it's like, cool, you don't need to tell me anything else about your backstory. Like, that's it.
0: And, and if you use a counterexample of of like, uh, of like The Mummy, the Tom Cruise movie, you remember there's that section where the movie just stops cold in yeah. its tracks and um, Russell Crowe just starts going on and on about these monsters and how they find them and how they're going to like help the world with them and you just kind of shut off and it's like all of that could have been done in such a way or parsed out information that by the end of the movie we knew what was happening but you didn't yeah. have to like sit down like a conference because it's boring.
1: Oh yeah, it's and so boring. Movie, There's all also of some the other building, issues with that, but yeah,
0: yeah this movie—it's just the world building is so interesting, and everything you see, you're like, oh, oh, yeah, oh, that's cool, that's cool, that's cool. You know, it's all
1: yeah. So the to further on amazing. the 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 world building too is you, it, which kind of like is the catalyst for the story mm-hmm. is like so charlie's theron she drives the war rig she has earned that title to drive the war rig which means she goes to gas town to get gas and brings it back and to to, so that they can like continue to work this civilization can continue to work and hopefully survive yeah wouldn't really consider that anyone's thriving at this point not even important joe because he has cancer too you can tell because his body is disgusting and then um there are women who just breastfeed all the time. And so like mother's milk yeah. is like a precious, I mean, I'm assuming because it's just got vitamins that they don't have anymore. So people drink mother's milk. And then there are even further than that. And Morton Joe has like, this movie so cool. He's like, how many are there? Like five or six? Girl, those are like 5 or 6. I think there were
0: 4 or 5. 4 or
1: 5. So those are his wives and they're meant to be impregnated by him
0: and they're not they don't seem to be affected by the radio radiation. No,
1: but they're also like sealed in a vault. Yeah. So like I'm assuming they were selected since birth. Yeah. And they were locked away in a vault to be cared for and you you see pretty like the vault is very like lavish. They have their own little water pool when mm-hmm. everyone outside only gets like maybe a drop of water a day. And oh, I didn't notice the water given, pool. Yeah, you're right. And if right. you notice in that room, there were tons of books in that room. Yeah, that's the only time we see books in this entire series. Oh, it's in that room. And then they have beds, and it just looks very comfortable. And they have like a that woman's like a doctor, they even have like a doctor. Yeah, so like they're given a conceivably a very comfortable lifestyle, of course, they are prisoners. Yeah. And abused.
0: And we can assume they're being raped.
1: Yeah. They don't. Yeah, definitely. Um, so Charlize Theron, she she is like tasked with like, okay, she's going to drive to oil town or oil city or something, gas town.
0: Gas town. That's gas what it was called.
1: To receive gas and pretty early on in their course, and she's got like troops of other cars with her, mm-hmm. um, she drives off the path yeah and that's kind of like the beginning
0: yeah but even before that um a couple things that we we haven't discussed that i want to hit um there's a two-headed lizard at the beginning uh-huh. that's cool i'm in the movie that's all i want to say about you're that You're in the movie oh like i you're just when i the see movie. the movie and there's a two-headed lizard cool that's because of for
1: me. uh you know nuclear stuff
0: yeah it's cool um the first action se- sequence is when they're chasing Mad Max. He throws the spear and it, it rolls for a long time. And right off the bat, you're like, this is already crazier than all the other movies.
1: What rolls for a long time?
0: His car. Mad Max's car. Oh, you car. called it a spear? Oh, the guy, the guy throws a spear, it blows up, and his oh, car rolls. okay. Um, it's so hard to describe action because you think you say words that you never said because yeah. you're just seeing what you said. Uh, <laughs> and so uh, that's when they capture uh, Max. And there's uh, he says this line which is really great where he says a man reduced to a single in- instinct survive. Yeah. Interesting, cool. Um there's some weird like high frame fast forwarding stuff that's yeah. going on that I remember the first time I saw it I was like I don't know about that. Yeah. But it it has a very interesting jarring The
1: flashbacks to the kid being hit by the car is very odd too. Yeah. Like not my favorite, but it's, but also, it's also very kind visual. Of cool. Yeah.
0: I think I think now that I know it's in the movie and I've seen it a couple times, it, it actually works for me now. Yeah.
1: So, like, he has these, um, like, PTSD flashbacks to people, like, talking to him. Uh-huh. And one of them is this child that keeps popping up throughout the movie who who's like, where were you? Why weren't you there? Like, help me. Yeah. And we don't, like, if you'd seen the other movies, you're like, who is this kid and when did this happen? You can just assume this happened between Thunderdome and this movie.
0: And see, again back to my whole read on this movie he's a folklore character that just traverses the australian wasteland and that's and he is just like gathering he's he is helping people but he's always like s- motivated just to survive that's his yeah. only motivation at this point since his family is dead but you can see in this movie how it's affecting him but now he is in some ways reincarnated cuz it's a different actor yeah I wouldn't say reincarnated, but I think he's like this kind of weird immortal character. Yeah. Um and so, uh yeah. That's what I was gonna say about that. This is the first one that they didn't shoot in Australia, by the way.
1: Yes, yeah, in Africa.
0: Because um there was a large rainfall and Australia was too green, so they had to film it in Nambia. The desert. Uh it or N- Namibia. Namibia. Um. Yeah, and um, he he wanted to make a movie that they could read in Japan and still have a full vis- visceral experience. Like, like you could not know the language and watch the movie. He, he oh. used Japan as an example.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: Uh, I know we were jumping into the plot, but I still had a few more interesting things. Uh, a 120-day shoot. And then his wife, George Miller's wife, uh, edited the movie um, because he thought that she could provide an interesting... What what did you say?
1: Well, the the quote that I read was he said if a man edits this movie, it'll just be like every other action movie. Yeah. And his wife has edited Happy Feet and Babe, the movie about the pig. Yeah, which are like, both
0: George Miller movies.
1: Oh, yeah. But like those very different movies.
0: Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. I mean that it's it doesn't look like any other action movie. Not even the Mad Max movies in its editing. And uh, she had so she had to parse through 480 hours yeah. of footage.
1: Took her three months to watch it.
0: To, yep. Um, the, fil- the film contains 2,700 cuts, which is equivalent to 22.5 cuts per minute. If you compare it to Road Warrior, 1,200 cuts of the 90 minutes, that's 13.33 oh, cuts yeah. per minute.
1: Something I also noticed, I think it was the cinematographer or the camera person, I don't know. It was something George Miller stressed was to keep, like, I'm assuming Tom Hardy and or charlie's in the center of the frame
0: uh, yep I was. because
1: because it was so action heavy it would be really easy to cut them out by accident
0: or just keep focus of shot centered to avoid For confusion shot centered. with audience right
1: and that also would make uh her job easier to edit because mm-hmm. there's going to be cut people no matter what but you got to make yeah. sure they're in it
0: yeah but i think even just like in general that, yeah. that was just kind of a rule on set for the most part um, and then
1: just also if you've <laughs> never, so much se- interesting if you've never stuff. seen this movie and we I know we were freaking about, about the other ones and they're worth to freak out about because they're practical and they're real and you just don't see that anymore as much yeah. as you should this movie at least 80% of the movie is practical effects the only times there's like special effects or CG like a big CGI thing is just Charlie Theron's arm because she's or the storm or the storm like
0: but all of that is stuff that it's like it's um it's like an artistic move not a like like all of the action sequences yeah yeah it's all artistic or maybe a safety concern yeah that's like the only reason they use cgi in the movie we
1: weren't joking when we said a guy was strapped with a guitar to a car yeah like he is they didn't cgi that they're probably not going to CGI the other yeah, stuff. Yeah. Because that's just ridiculous.
0: And it, it looks, it's such a beautiful looking movie. Yeah. But we, last night we were talking about the frame rate. Yeah. Um, So most movies are shot at 24. Um, So something like 50 to 60% of the film is not at 24 frames a second, um, said Seal. That's the cinematographer. It'll be running below 24 frames because George, if he couldn't understand what was happening in the shot, he slowed it down until you could. Oh. Or if it was too well understood, he'd shorten it and he'd speed it up back towards 24. His manipulation of every shot in that movie is intense. Oh. Um, and I was right. Uh, the night scenes were shot in the day and manipulated later.
1: Oh, cool. I also read that, um, which all this frame rate stuff, it just all of it makes so much sense. I was reading that. Once you're getting into Tom frame Hardy, rate, it's crazy. Yeah, apparently Tom Hardy was a big pill during production. Really? He was just like, he, he was yeah he was pretty contradictory in a lot of things and Charlize even said that like she there were times where she had, had to ask George Miller what are you doing because she couldn't understand what he was directing her and a lot of it's just because it's action things so he's like telling her to do something she's like but that doesn't make sense but he might be telling her something for safety reasons but it's like but that's not going to accomplish this and apparently Tom Hardy was like very difficult to work with Interesting. Until I, I read that like their Cans premiere, Uh. he apologized to George Miller because he saw the movie and he was like, you knew what you were doing the whole time. He was mad because he didn't think he knew what he was doing. Well, and Max
0: has got to be a little mad.
1: Well, yeah. (laughs) And So then you, he sees the movie and he's like, of course he, I mean, why, you know, it's like, sorry that I didn't think you were doing your job.
0: That's so interesting.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, man. Oh, that's so cool. Um, Yeah, there's, there's a bunch of other things, but,
1: we got to talk about the story, Micah. We
0: do need to talk about the story. So,
1: so I'm just gonna jump back into it. So, Charlize Theron, like we said earlier, drives off the main road to Gastown. Right, main road to Gas Town, and um, all of the the crew, other people in the cars, all the, the all these other War Boys are like really confused, but she's the boss because she is driving the War Rig. So they're like, "What where are we going?" And all she says is, "We're heading east." And that's kind of good enough. Like, it buys her yeah. time for uh-huh. what's going to happen, which the we still don't know why she's driving off course yet.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: um, the and Morton Joe, big bad guy, he sees where they're going, what they're doing. And then he, it's just like he knew. Like, this isn't right. Something's wrong. He goes to the vault to check on his wives and they're not there. And yeah. I really like, like, there's a lot of, I feel like it was written in Mother's Milk too but i don't know or not i like yeah are you talking all, about
0: what, the things that they all, like they had the, written
1: messages to him like you don't know I got know them enough. written down oh okay yeah
0: cuz i i sorry not to cut you off but um the so they have these messages to him um and it is we are not things our babies will not become warlords and then a question who killed the world
1: Yes. All of those. Very interesting. Which is probably just paint, but it just made me think of mother's milk, which I think would be kind of pretty symbolic. Yeah. I don't know how you put that on a wall, but. um, I've
0: never milked a wall. I'll I'll be honest on that one.
1: I don't know. Um, So.
0: Actually. Okay.
1: (laughs) So, yeah. So realizes they're not there. Okay. She's driving off course and it has to do with that. He just knows. Mm -hmm. So he calls more war boys. Is that what it is? Did I already forget what it's called?
0: They're yeah, they're war boys. Yeah.
1: That to go chase after them and to kinda of reinforce the other guys, probably. Although they're not for sure that those guys aren't in on it yet, you know, I yeah. would assume. But um something that I found interesting, so like they do the sign, the war boys. Oh yeah,
0: that like triangle kind of thing. So it's with like both a V eight
1: for a car. Oh, so you can cool. see it as like cars are like um spiritual beings at this point, which you would yeah. definitely think from Mad Max One. Yeah, and then also could be in reference to Valhalla. Cool. So both. But, but this is
0: when we're introduced to Nicholas Holt. Nicholas Holt, and we've we've already discussed like the body bag and stuff like that. Yeah. How so Max is his Tom body Hardy bag.
1: is hung upside down as a body bag, and then the his like he's he's trying to convince another war boy like I'm fine, I can go. Obviously, he's Nicholas not. Yeah, Nicholas Holt is trying to convince someone that he is well enough to go, which he obviously is not.
0: And he's like sick, and yeah,
1: I mean he has cancer. So um, he he does convince the, them to go that he can go though because he's going to bring his body bag.
0: And yeah, he
1: explains like I have high octane, which is apparently in Mad Max's blood. Yeah. So and this
0: is this is the second of the trilogy of Tom Hardy masks movies where most of his yes. face is covered in the movie. Not most, but we have Dark Knight Rises, Bane, Mad Max Fury Road, and then he finishes off the trilogy with Dunkirk.
1: Oh, cause he's a pilot.
0: His face is, oh. the, his, <laughs> he has a mask on all the time.
1: Okay. Um, there might be
0: actually be one more too. It's pretty funny.
1: I'm, I'm not about to go rewatch everything he's done. Well, okay. Um. <laughs> anyway, so probably one of the coolest Things that they do in the movie is so Nicholas Holt is driving this car, there's a guy in the back of the car, he has like spears that he's gonna throw. They have explosives. Explosive to him. But Tom Hardy, where would you think he would be? Maybe in the seat next to Nicholas Holt. That would make sense. No. He is riding outside of the car, in front of the car, strapped to the front, like a decoration.
0: With with like poles behind him. And then and then they go and they with the
1: blood trans like the yeah yeah the tube connected to
0: a chain, and then that's when they they attack the war rig and then the war rig goes into the storm,
1: and it's just so amazing. It's
0: you know and and why even bother explaining it? Well, even so, you know what I mean. (laughs) Something
1: that's important is before that, they you Nicholas Holt sees someone do this. But also, like, we see someone, um, one of the war boys, spray paint his mouth. And then he goes and, like, kills himself. But he kills him. It's like a kamikaze thing. Like, he goes to kill himself to damage the warship to stop her. Doesn't work, obviously. But, like, he sees that. And you can just, such great acting. Because there's this look on his face of, like, he gets to do that thing. I am so proud of him and jealous and, like, honored yeah to be next to this person as he's killing himself and so why would he spray paint his face question so
0: oh yeah you, this thing that you were talking oh yeah this so is cool. th-
1: i was thinking like well spray paint like first of all why his mouth i'm not totally sure about that but like to me it's like thinking of like huffing paint mm-hmm. so he's he, they're getting high which increases their adrenaline which would no second thoughts about killing yourself or to go do something crazy it's so yeah. you can have the adrenaline to do something crazy and not feel it
0: now, is that your theory or did you read? That's that? That's my theory. So you didn't read that. no,
1: that's, that's my, pretty cool. That's my theory. The mouth part I'm not like i'm I, I just think it's Chrome like a car like they're yeah. a machine.
0: So shiny, so Chrome.
1: yeah, so there's there's that too. but uh-huh. um it's so interesting and like they I don't remember if they shout something they have, they were a lot of chance, but it's like they're they believe that they will go to Valhalla. Yeah. After they do this thing that they do.
0: Yeah, and I think it's like a high honor. I mean, it's kind of like a suicide bomber kind of thing. Not like
1: kamikaze pilot.
0: Yeah, yeah, but I mean, the yeah, similar, similar. Yeah, but both, both. I'm just, I was just thinking of that because that's like, oh, okay, that's a little more religious, whereas kamikaze can sometimes just be more like military-ish. As far as I know.
1: Well, I remember when people we were in Hawaii recently, and we were <laughs> learning about kamikaze pilots, and. Yeah something i found interesting was a lot of them were only like young men like 19 year olds Uh who were told that you will be like it will be one of the highest honors that you can do for the like imperial army because well i we don't have to get into japanese culture too much but like you will be like remembered almost like a god for doing it so in a way i feel like it was a little bit of brainwashing yeah um anyway back to the movie so nicholas holt sees someone do that And
0: And then he's going to make his move, and he does it for the first time. Yes. And I don't remember what he does, but he fails, and the car crashes. Yes. And that's, oh, that's in the storm. And there was one thing I wanted to say about the storm. Uh, We discussed this as we were watching it, that the storm looks really good, and it's like mostly the the cars and and the stunts are not CG'd. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think there's a little bit of that. At certain points when they're like going up into the tornado and stuff. But the storm actually looks so good and you kind of wonder why. But I think it's because the rest of the world is so stylized that it it blends pretty seamlessly. Whereas when you're watching a movie that's like say if that same storm was in the road. Yeah. Where that movie's like bleak and really realistic and gritty. Yeah. It would look so jarring and weird. But in this movie, it's just like another aesthetic choice. And I think
1: since it was also quick, you don't have enough time. I don't mean like the whole scene. I just mean the shots. You didn't have enough time to concentrate on what it, on probably the CGI elements.
0: Right. Right. But. But I was kind of looking for it this time and I'm like, this looks so good. Yeah. It's crazy how good it looks. And even. Lightning. Yeah. And I think since they didn't. And, you know, it probably helps that since they didn't spend their budget on CGI that much, Mm -hmm. they were probably able to spend more time on that one scene that has a lot of CGI than, like, Than the rest of the movie. Yeah. Than, like, a movie where you have, like, a CGI character and you have to just, like, make that character the whole movie CGI. Yeah. This was, like, oh, we have one high CGI scene. The rest is, like, putting a backdrop in the background. Yep. That's it. Yep. You know, so... Yeah. I, yeah, well, oh, so, and deleting a lot of ropes.
1: Yeah, because you right, know, right. you know,
0: if you could see the original footage, I'm sure there's just like ropes and Everywhere. wires and safety stuff like all over the place, and they, of course they have to delete all that. But well, yeah, that doesn't
1: really. But count. uh, so yeah, so what happens is like Nicholas Holt crashes the car. Meanwhile, he is trying to fight Tom Hardy just off of him because Tom Hardy gets back yeah. to where he's driving. Oh yeah, because he's filling the car up with gasoline.
0: Yeah, because he's gonna hit the war ring and, and explode, blow up, and he lights a flare.
1: Oh, and he wasn't able to release the flare because of uh, Max.
0: Yeah. Anyway,
1: yeah, they crash, sand storm over. Um, you would it, it, the crash is so crazy that you're like, how did they not die? Mm-hmm. But Tom and Hardy Max wakes up, or immortal. Max wakes up. And yeah, so. so he yeah, and uh, and
0: the the funny thing that. His acting choices in that scene where he wakes up are so insane.
1: I know he grunts a lot in this movie. Have you noticed that?
0: Yeah, he he just grunts and kinda mumbles and stuff uh-huh. like that. But he 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 come he's covered in sand and he like pops out of the sand really quick and he's curling his fingers in a weird way and stuff. Oh yeah. And it's very it's very animal like. Yeah. Which I think at first I was thinking he was just kind of doing an interesting acting choice. But the movie's t- trying to talk about, like, the idea of humanity surviving in a world where all you have left is to survive. So I think they were actually intentionally, like, playing upon the idea of, like, the differences between an animal and a human in that scene. Yeah. Because it's, it's just really interesting the way that he cuts that. Yeah. Or, I mean, the way that he, he reacts to that situation.
1: Yeah, it's super cool. Um, so then after that, he's going, he, the war rig isn't that far away from him. Yeah. and he's still connected to Nicholas Holt because of the chain, but he's able to get like the, the tube out of him. Yeah, but he's still stuck to him, and Nicholas Holt is seemingly dead, so he has to drag him and a car door, all the way to the <laughs> yeah. rig. And he, oh yeah, he tries shooting his hand off, but the gun doesn't fire. But he still uses the gun as like a threat when he goes to Charlize Theron.
0: Yeah, and then this is when we discover that. I mean, we knew this, but this is when Max sees that, like, the the cargo of this war tank is these women that have been rescued by... Furiosa. And they're all in
1: white, which is just a, such an obvious great choice, I yeah. think. One of them's super pregnant. One of them is pregnant. That blonde girl yeah. was pregnant. But, like, one of them is, like, she is about to have a baby pregnant. Um, And then all the other ones are... Like, they're just all his wives. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, Charlize Theron is trying to get the, the truck back running, and then he shows up.
0: Yeah, and, you know, they have, like, a fight, and then they kind of, like... They eventually get on the road. Yeah, um, he...
1: I mean, like, the everyone's... Oh, because of the guitar happening.
0: Yeah, yeah. You can you hear, hear that in the harbinger, background, so you and know they're like, they're approaching. we gotta get going.
1: Right. So, um, he gets unchained from Nicholas Holt. He um, convinces them to let him go with them. Or, yeah. He no, says, he
0: well he try he tries to steal the ring. that's what it is she can she has him. like a kill switch that has to do a certain thing so she's like come with us and he's like i'll only take you and she goes the girls have to come with me yes and he eventually agrees but he's still like at gunpoint like right, holding right, right. Them.
1: and he he shoots the pregnant one but like sh- like like nicks her leg
0: yeah nicks her leg
1: um i don't know why i said that i just thought that was interesting yeah. that, that happened um yeah, so then they start going, and it's right before they get to these mountains or like a valley, and she's like, "I was told I would have safe patch- passage." Yeah. So we get, and then it's just like you know, another action scene is about to come up.
0: Yeah, and then and then we transition to it's like these motorcycle guys, and they, you know, of course it doesn't go well, and you know Max has to like start driving the rig, and Charlie staring like jumps on the rig. Things aren't going well. Meanwhile, Nicholas Holt has is hiding in the back, and they they take off, and then they're doing these insane stunts where these motorcycle guys are
1: jumping over the valley
0: over the valley like over the semi and throwing bombs down and you can like it's it's real yeah and then there's that one where a guy jumps and kind of and misses or something like that and he slides under the semi and and you just he does
1: it on purpose to get her to get Charlize Theron because she's about to climb in oh
0: that's right and you you just can't believe it you just can't believe it when you're watching it it's so this is a movie you gotta
1: see it to believe it yeah probably if you haven't seen it you're not believing this guitar guy but he's the best part yeah um yeah, so then the Immortan Joe catches up to them. Yeah. But the the motorcycle people like have a bomb explode, so there's rocks prohibiting all of them from getting through the valley. But Immortan Joe is able to get over it because of his big Hot Wheels, big mon- monster truck. Um.
0: Oh, and actually, Holt was with them because he. Yes. So they 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 left him where we found the girl. This is a little confusing. We're getting. I know. We're getting. But he got a piece the of their
1: clothing to yeah. prove that they're there. Yeah, and that's why he allows him to go with him.
0: And then, and then, uh, then when they get there, then when Morton Joe catches up, um, Nicholas Holt, he, what's cool is that Morton Joe like spray paints his face, and he says, "I will be, meet you in Valhalla myself." Yeah, he's like a god to him. Yeah, um, which it, it's just interesting because throughout this movie, Nicholas Holt kind of has this. He's like, basically, he's a part of a cult and by yeah. the end of the movie he realizes he's in a cult and like breaks free from it.
1: Yeah, it's his character development is just so beautiful to me. Yeah,
0: because that's like his god like told him to do it and he he fails. feels like immediately in, infiltrating the semi and the and morton joe immediately is just like media he says mediocre and just keeps driving and doesn't care. Yeah. And that's and that's he, when his fails. perspective starts to change. And
1: he fails in such a child childish way because he is he still has the chain connected to him, and it just gets caught on the truck and he falls. Like that's it.
0: That's right. Yeah. So it's just
1: so simple, and it's you feel so bad for him because all yeah. like the one thing he wants to do is to make this person proud of him. Yeah. And to remember him, and he fails immediately.
0: Yeah, and um, then and then you have that shot where. Joe like puts his gun out the window and then his wife, his favorite wife opens the door. The super door, pregnant one. And she she opens the door and she's blocking the blocking it cuz he's not going to shoot her and that is just so cool. Mm-hmm. It it's man, she's awesome when she does that.
1: Yeah, she's she's so great. So then action action action, super great action.
0: And then she falls off of the car. She falls off
1: and he runs over her.
0: Yeah, by accident. By
1: accident, but yeah. Um and then they keep moving the war rig even though, like, the the wives are, like, freaking out because it's like, we we need to go back and get her. And that really great thing where Charlize is asking Max, like, did you see it? And he's like, she went under the wheels. And then she just asked it again, and he looks at her. And he's like, yeah. she went under the wheels.
0: Yeah, and they're saying we need to go back and all that stuff. And right. then And then uh, Furiosa just goes, keep going. Yeah. We have to keep going.
1: Yeah, it's so wonderful. So then, like... uh eventually they they do get to a point where they can stop for a second and one of the girls is trying to run back because we were talking about how this is interesting like it's about abuse so like one of the girls is like he'll forgive us he'll think it was a mistake like we'll come like we just need to go back to him to morton joe and they're like trying to stop her
0: yeah and and this is where i think i mean it's a very o- obvious feminist um message mm-hmm. um uh, and, and I, I think for one, it's super cool that the women are saved by a woman, mm-hmm. Furiosa and you know, Max helps, but that's not the point, I mm-hmm. guess. Um, but in this part you see that, that idea of like, you can imagine a woman who's been in a really abusive relationship who tries to get away and then she, she like regresses back and I'm not throwing judgment at that. I realize those yeah. are hard situations to be in. But and then she's like, "Well, I, I can go back. It'll all be okay." And they're like,
1: convince her, like, "No, will, you will die if yeah, you go back." Yeah.
0: And so, it, it I mean, how wild is it that in in 2015, even before like the height of like the Me Too movement, and I know that feminism obviously has been a huge, like, cultural movement. impact for years, but like the most feminist movie like is Mad Max Fury Road you know what I mean like the message is so it's so clear and it's also doled out in such a way that like even if you are really against those sort of things you're still gonna get that message stuck in your head whether you liked it or not because you're there's no way you're not gonna like the movie yeah, you know what I yeah. mean. So it's actually like that's a what, it, pretty cool. W- I, I like that way of of preaching that kind of a message because it's it's really. I think it's su- it's a really powerful message. Yeah. And it's it's um, but it's not at a, an expense of the story. The story's still really strong. Well, that's that's what movie's still really strong.
1: A lot of which I think a lot of people like would argue is like why they don't like action movies is because there's no story. Mm-hmm. Which I get. It's easy to lose the story in an action movie because the action's so exciting. Yeah. But that's what makes Mission Impossible so exciting. Oh. That's what's making John Wick so exciting when John Wick is one of the most simple for the first movie. The most simple stories. His uh-huh. wife dies of an illness. She gives him a dog. They kill the dog. And he goes after all the people you
0: who You don't kill the dog. You no. just don't.
1: And it's just it's so clear. I mean like it's like they had killed his wife for a second time. Yeah. That's that's the movie. Yeah. And it's wonderful. And it's just it's about loss and tragedy and grief.
0: Like, there's more to it than just the simplicity. But the beauty is the simplicity.
1: Yeah. Can't wait to do it, John Wick. I know. Um. And, and
0: you know what's so cool as well? I think I said this in previous episodes, but not this one. This movie is like Mad Max, I'm talking about. It's like he... he, It's like George Miller... I'm not saying he did this, but it's like he watched Road Warrior again. Mad Max 2. Yeah and, and watched the last like 20 minutes and just said what if the whole movie was this 20 minutes yeah and also what if it was never boring because sometimes when you have that much action as much action as there is in this movie you would think that you would eventually be like oh my gosh this is so boring but oh yeah it never ever is and
1: a big part of it is you what you're looking at you know actually happened <laughs> yeah. people that's like, why so we many many people the risk Mission their impossible. lives. I can't wait to do Mission Impossible. But I mean, when you're watching Fallout, you.
0: when you're watching Fallout, and you see him jumping over a building, and you know he did it, it's it's a lot more interesting than watching Skyscraper with Dwayne the Rock Johnson, where he's like climbing up a fake building, yeah, and it's all just fake, yeah. It's just not that interesting, yeah. Because anyone can do it. Yep. But knowing that Tom, it like put in the work, broke his ankle, all that. I mean believe me this is, a, this are- is
1: a big pro tom <laughs> podcast you you guys might hate it by the time we get to mission impossible but we know you'll love it
0: yeah we love taking cruises let me tell you that yeah. much
1: but let's get let's get back into the to this movie yes which yes, is yes, just yes. so exciting as well so the whole time the reason why charlie's and these wives are leaving it's because she's taking him to the green place. And they keep talking about the green place. The green place is where Charlie's Theron is from. And she was mm-hmm. taken from as a child. So she's going. She hasn't been there since a child. So she's going with this hope. And the movie is about hope. Yeah. But also about like false hope and even faith. So like she's, they just are pushing on to the green place. So the next segment is they get to this like marshy, like quick, almost quick sandy like yeah, area, there
0: are these people that are on stilts, stilts, but that, like sticks, that walk yeah. through the marsh on like, all like fours. Birds,
1: crows, of, especially, and
0: there's crows, but like a heron or something like would walk through it. Yeah. that's how that. Oh, so I understand cool. what you're saying. I'm, yeah, like, so I'm like, where's their movie? Where's the where's the marsh people? I, I don't want a
1: movie. It's so exciting that that's always got of it. It but is. Yeah, so we're in this marshy area with dead trees, and the the tr- the war rig gets stuck in a mud pit really quickly and then as everyone all the bad guys catch up to them they get stuck too mm-hmm. and this is like a real it's a pretty good like a tiny bit of like a horror thing because it's like you see the problem you're seeing them trying to fix the problem and they can't fix the problem and the bad guys are right on their backs
0: and there's yeah. just so much tension and,
1: you're hearing the... yeah. and it's getting louder and louder and louder yeah and so by this time they find Nicholas hole had been hiding in the the truck so when they stop, it's like one of the wives had found him and is like, basically, he's good, he's fine. Yeah, He'll help he's us. helping
0: them. He was like in the fetal position, like crying about what had happened.
1: Yeah. Um. So yeah, he's helping them. They're just trying to get the truck un like out of the mud. And so as the bad guys catch up to them and get stuck, there's one car that is on. What is that called? It's
0: on patrol. It's got like a light out front that it's trying to find him.
1: No, but like, what are the? Th- it's like a tank.
0: Oh yeah, it has uh, the chains, chains that go all the way so around. So he's able
1: to go. But what the crazy thing about this dude? Don't know anything about him. Have just now <laughs> seen him. He's got bullets on his hat. Like his hat is like made out of bullets. He's got like a bullet scarf. He's got bullets everywhere. He pulls out a tooth, but it's not a tooth. It's a bullet. <laughs> he has bullets for teeth, and it's so cool. And like all the guys, he's got a lot of guys on his car too. Yeah. So yeah, they have the the um. Like the big spotlight,
0: and then uh, Furiosa shoots it. It hits him in the eye. But he's like
1: doing this really interesting speech. Do you remember, I don't remember he, that? Oh, he was just like shouting things. I don't oh, remember okay. exactly what he was saying, but it, it was almost just like he was very confident that he was going to get the job done. Yeah. And then she shoots through the light and blinds him.
0: And then and then they hold up a flare right in front of his eyes, and he can't see it. And he's like screaming about it. It's yeah. crazy.
1: It's it's so cool.
0: And and the you know another thing about this movie cuz now it's dark at the in this scene um another reason this movie works and if you're about to make an action movie take note of this there's enough aesthetic changes in the movies yeah. and objective changes in the movies to sustain the action yeah so like each time they're at a different area it's uh, yes it's one big long chase scene but it's like before they were just Trying to get away. Dude, this is
1: all outside in a desert.
0: Yeah, and then and then they got to the cliffs, and then they were like trying to get past these people. Now they're stuck in the mud. They're trying to get out of the mud. Then eventually they get to the green place, and it's not green anymore, and then they have to go back. Enough objective changes. Now, uh, beyond all that, it's like each location has a distinct look mm-hmm. and a distinct aesthetic so that we as a viewer are not bored.
1: You know what? You know how like when we went to the first phase of Marvel and there yeah. were sometimes we had a hard time recalling parts yeah. of the story. This movie is so easy to recall because it, of it the is, visuals. Yeah.
0: It really is.
1: Um, It's too late for Marvel to take notes on that, but yeah, Um. I mean, I think we did a decent, good we
0: did a decent job on phase one.
1: Oh, I meant, you know I what? meant it's too late for Marvel to go back on. Oh, Marvel. yeah. But um,
0: also side note, real quick side note. I keep thinking about Phase One. We did our rankings, and of course, this all change. But I know we had Iron Man two as our favorite.
1: You're doing uh, Captain America as number Captain one. Captain
0: America: The First Avenger is the best of Phase One. Oh, I, I'm I gonna stand so. aside, especially after seeing Endgame and like the whole payoff and everything. I think it's the best one. Great
1: payoff. They just that movie doesn't have Sam Rockwell in it. It doesn't have Sam
0: Rockwell, and I'm, and I, and we do have to dock it points for that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um. I think it's a better movie, I think. And I think I like it more. Just, yeah. you know, it's sitting so well. And I just keep thinking about it. And I'm like, that's a really good movie. That's a good song. Or whatever. <laughs>
1: yeah. Comedy Is anyone still listening to this? <laughs> um,
0: so now we're at the green place. Wait,
1: wait, wait. Hold okay. on. We missed, we missed something. Oh, yeah. the um, In the Marsh Place, Max goes and leaves oh, to yeah. go take care of the rest of the guys who are following them. We don't go with him. And we
0: just see an Charlize explosion. Charlie's is like, like,
1: well, oh, he's like, he's like, if I don't come back, it, whatever, like, just leave without me. Yeah. And then we see a red explosion, very quick, like lightning, because it's all foggy. And then he just walks back with blood, like, all over his head. And they're like, "You're hurt." And he and Charlie's is like, "That's not his blood." Yeah. And then they get in the car and go.
0: <laughs> and and it, that's that's like maybe, may, I don't know if you'd agree with this, but maybe a little bit of a turning point where he like did something selfless. Yeah, not selfless because he's still motivated, but it's There's like a sacrifice move. It was though. a sacrificing move, and he was willing for them to just leave without him. Yeah, but then we get to the green place. Mm-hmm. It's not green anymore.
1: It's all just dunes, and it's
0: all these older women, a couple of younger ones, but no, no, no like teenagers or anything like that. No and one as like, young
1: as the wives, even close.
0: So Furiosa's just like distraught. The score comes back in. It kills you, and then Mad Max says, "We gotta go back." And he decides to go straight back into him because they're not going to expect it. And so they just drive well, back through it.
1: What's interesting about that is before they're they're like we're going to go across the the salt flats. It'll take us 160 days. Like we have a, enough fuel for oh, 160 yeah. days to do it. Um, and and he's telling her there's no point in having hope anymore because that's all she's living off of now. Yeah. is hope. And he's telling her stop. They go anyway, even though he had the opportunity to go. And then he goes and stops them and provides them hope. Yeah. By giving them an actual solution that could work. Because it's like, yeah, you'll get out there in 160 days and you'll be in the same spot and you'll die. Or you can go and fight. Yeah. To live. When this would just kind of almost be like giving up in a way, you know? Yeah. Because it's like a false hope. So, yeah. So, then they turn back around. Sorry.
0: And then they head straight back for a Mot- a morton Joe and the old city that they lived in. hmm And they do one final stand. And it's the action sequences are insane. Uh, all of I mean like every second of it is like
1: exciting. It's
0: just crazy. It's so awesome
1: and and it's it's not hard to follow. No. you know who's where at what time because of all the stuff we had talked about earlier. Yeah. Um,
0: and then how does a Morton Joe die? Oh they they like blow oh oh, you know it's this is cool they, they do the big chase. And then Nicholas Holt is finally able to make a sacrifice, and he's on the the war rig. The war rig, while they're getting away on another vehicle, um, I think Max's vehicle, right? Because they no, like, it's
1: it's a Morton Joe's. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, and then he like drives it into these boulders, and it like blocks the path. So he is able to like k- kamikaze. For lack of a better term, but for the right people this time. So and he attempts it twice. He accomplishes it the third time, but for the good guys, which is pretty cool.
1: Oh yeah, it's beautiful. And and then there's t- throughout the movie he falls in love with. I'm assuming they fell in love because they seem very affectionate in that way towards each mm-hmm. other. The redheaded girl. Yeah. So he he falls in love with them. She's looking like they're you know they're looking at each other as he's about to die, and he says, "Wait for me," which yeah. is just a beautiful. Like I'm assuming you know he's meaning like Valhalla still, but like yeah. a different version that he didn't think existed yeah but now he's found peace yeah um so beautiful like probably the most emotional i got in the movie that's cool but yeah so then how does a morton joe die
0: um well doesn't he just crash and
1: no because they take his car remember he has that breathing apparatus on oh his oh my head? gosh
0: and the chain gets stuck in the car and it rips his face off
1: Rips rips off the bottom of his face
0: I forgot about that's that. That's how he dies. Yeah, and that's when he dies, and then the rest of his crew is a little confused at what to do. And yes. There's a the guy with the chainsaw throwing it down. I'm just going to throw these words out at you, and if you haven't seen the movie, Person, you just got to see it to believe it.
1: Yeah. Wait, what words?
0: Those were the words. I guess that doesn't make sense. I mean, there's <laughs> a chainsaw... There's chases, there's explosions. There's a
1: guy with a guitar with flame shooting out of it. Yeah,
0: we've discussed that one. <laughs> um, oh, and Max does fight the guy with the guitar. And they're, like, swinging the guitar around, which is crazy.
1: And then you see that the, gar- the guitar guy doesn't have eyes.
0: Oh, yeah, his, he has, like, like not no face. Even, it's like
1: he definitely was not born with them.
0: I forgot about that. Anyway, we, we he, can he, stop talking he about kinda that. He kind of looks like a... Look up uh, Little Nightmares, the, the blind guy. Oh, That's yeah. That's what he looks like. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, um, arms are a little bit shorter yeah um but yeah so his face gets ripped off and throughout this entire action sequence charlie's gets stabbed like in the her side yeah like getting vital organs so like she's inches from death by the end of this and um max like one of her lungs is collapsing he opens one of her lungs and then him being a universal donor um gives her his blood yeah and then they make it back to place
0: yeah and and the town they basically challenge them they throw down the dead body of morton joe
1: people start ripping it apart yeah
0: and then and then the the guy who's kind of running the town while he's gone is pretty much just pressured into making furiosa the leader Mm -hmm. and then max just fades into the background as he does at the end of all wonderful
1: and and they let the water fall like
0: yeah they let the people have the water oh oh and um uh Throughout the movie, Furiosa asked him earlier what his name was, and finally, when he transfuses the oh, blood, yeah. he says, My name's Max. And so, it's like he's to me, it feels like he finally accepts who he is. Yeah. Um, so now,
1: or it also just embracing because he's dealing with this PTSD the whole time, and the whole time it's his kid saying, Like, Max, Max, Max. Yeah. And I think he's trying to reject his identity and who he is and what he's done, which to him he probably feels a little bit like a failure cuz of people who have died. Yeah. Um and he doesn't want to even the th- the sound of his name or taking responsibility of his name. It's like he's responsible for those people's deaths, which isn't true. Yeah. Um anyway.
0: So now uh, we're almost at the end here people. This is a long one. Um hope you've enjoyed it and you, that you're going to comment and subscribe and rate. Uh but we're going to do a little segment called track the arc so our main character is Mad Max he's in all three movies and I've thoroughly discussed my mythology read of the The whole movie four movies um but good writing usually characters have nice character arcs and especially over series that's an important thing to have Mm -hmm. so what is Mad Max like arc of the series would you say? You're better at this than I am, and I'm kind of throwing this at like you. A,
1: like a moment in a movie that was like the peak of what...
0: Well, like where did he start and where did he go in each movie as a character?
1: Well, I mean, he started as um, as a police officer mm-hmm. in, in a lawless time, but yeah. trying to try find some kind of semblance of the law, loses his family because of it, and then like rejects everything and... Mm-hmm. Just only like, you know, find solace and solidarity just by himself. And yeah. then quickly, it's almost as if respons- he's like a superhero. Responsibility is thrust upon him. Mm-hmm. And he tries everything he can to reject it. But every time he can't reject it, it is like a destiny thing. Yeah. Because it's, it's just happened so many times. So I just think that each movie he has tested. um well, he's given this responsibility and he has just tested like how far he's willing to go to sacrifice himself for others. And not even that it's, what's interesting is he's never shown to be a selfish person, Mm -hmm. especially in a post-apocalyptic world. You could even argue like you have to be selfish to survive. Yeah. But he's showing that you don't have to be.
0: Yeah. So that's your, that's your take. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. It's kind of interesting because I, I don't actually see a lot of growth in his character Um, and I would think that that would make the series not work that well, but it works really well.
1: I think he grows the most in this movie.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I think, I think like, should they make a sequel? I think he will look a little different. Yeah. And, and, and he does a little bit in each movie, but, uh, but, uh, he seems to, he seems to be fueled by survival. That's his Mm -hmm. baser instinct. Um, so that's that. We'll, we'll be covering that more in in more series. Uh, then I, I do have a little bit more. We're almost done here, people. Uh, the movie won six Oscars. Film editing, costume design, makeup and hair, sound mixing, sound editing, production design. Deserves every Swept. single one of them. Uh, it was nominated for directing. Wait, was
1: that nominated for how many?
0: It was nominated for uh Ten it won six yeah so it was nominated for directing cinematography visual effects and best picture Mm -hmm. as well which is so cool that this movie was nominated for best picture Mm -hmm. and looking back on the year even though this was a great year for film 2015 you got the hateful eight you got spotlight revenant uh, revenant i think this is the best picture i think when you look back the best achievement in film i'm glad spotlight won like you and i discussed off air um because of what it means for journalism. But this is the better movie. Yeah. Um so then uh I just got to hit this as well. Um there there've been many rumors of sequels. Um Miller and McCarthy, the two writers, well two of the three, um said they had enough material to make two more movies. Hmm. Um and what was going to be the next movie Mad Max Furiosa had already been completed, the script. Um, And then they changed the title to The Wasteland, Mad Max The Wasteland, and then they said that was a working title. But right now, uh, George Miller is suing Warner Brothers over unpaid earnings. So uh, this involves a $7 million bonus if the movie is brought in under budget, and he claims that Warner Brothers calculated the budget wrong. Oh. Um. So that's why we don't have a movie right now. Oh, that
1: sucks, man.
0: It's only been four years, though, and the last time it was a 30-year wait. So who knows? That Um, just still
1: sucks that he has to go through that.
0: Yeah, it does suck. Um, Yeah, it sucks. Um, But then, since the series is still ongoing, we got to hit with our own takes. We love this series. Mm -hmm. Sequel ideas. Do you have any thoughts? No. Okay, because I, I have a small pitch of something that I would like to see in the, the sequel. And it, it just involves, um, the movie starts with Furiosa. She's doing her thing. It's all cool. I don't know what the thing, I can't think of like the inciting incident or what's going on. But she, for some reason, needs Max help. And they spend like a good half of the movie trying to find Max. But he's like not in the first half of the movie. Okay. um, And then... uh. Um, he's nearly dead, and she winds up saving him. I like huh. that idea. That's interesting. Um, and then I did just write this. It'd be cool if there was somehow involved an abandoned subway or boats. Ooh, because we've had no boats in the series because there's not really water or anything. But it would be cool if there was some weird like septic area or somewhere uh-huh. gross, and they had like all these boats. And I would, I would just love to see George Miller direct. A boat action sequence with a lot of bombs and explosions on the water. A la face off.
1: Hmm. Oh yeah.
0: But George Miller style.
1: I my I guess I don't have an idea, but I would not want to see Charlize Theron in the next one. Really? Because there are like no recurring characters in any of the movies. It's always it's it's always new things. It's almost as if like the next one should be he has traveled to a new place in its new circumstances. That's what it's been every time. And that's one thing I like about it so much is every time you're learning a little bit more about this world, but also you get to know these new characters and none of them have been the same. It's always been so uh, different from the last one.
0: That's inter- I, I mean,
1: I wouldn't be like yeah. against Charlize Theron being in the next one, but it's like, it's Mad Max, it's not Furiosa.
0: Which, I guess you're right. That's a good point. I think, uh, I think I agree. I think I maybe just had that in my head because they already said they were... Like they yeah, originally, yeah. when they did it, they were like, "Everyone's really connecting with Furiosa. We have more stories to tell that involve." And her. I'm sure,
1: I'm sure they're great, but I also, it's just like, I think the world building is so great and so like deep. Yet they don't show us everything. Yeah. That to show us more of that world, I think I'd be a little bummed about it. Okay. Because I think That's it would be fair. a little That's bit fair. forced. That's why I think that.
0: Unless they do it. Really Unless well. they do yeah. it,
1: which it seems as though he's not like pressured into making a new one obviously so yeah he's not he has time to think about it
0: well this was awesome what's the ranking oh the ranking yes so for me uh my least favorite is beyond thunderdome my third favorite is uh, so four beyond thunderdome three um mad max two mad max two and one mad max fury road
1: we ever going to disagree on the rankings
0: I think that our next series we will. Well,
1: I guess we already disagreed about Marvel since you changed yours.
0: Yeah, I did change mine. But, but my, so same, yours is the same. Same
1: rankings, same. same.
0: <laughs> um so anyway, next week we're diving back into the conglomerate that is the Marvel Cinematic Universe and we're going to be diving into Shane Black's Iron Man 3. And so we're going to be covering phase two, which spans from Iron Man three up to, I believe Captain America civil war. I think is the last one in phase three. No guardians in that time. Oh yeah. This is when guardians comes in guardians, which is going to be good.
1: That's going to be just as long as this one.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, Stay mad.